Hi, everybody. Stefan Molyneux from Freedom Main Radio. I hope you're doing well. So I'm going to introduce you to Jim Hoft. Now, he is the publisher of The Gateway Pundit, one of the top conservative news websites on the internet. Now, don't think of old conservative. Think of like edgy, radical, counterculture, new conservatism. It's well worth watching uh, and reading. Uh, He received the Andrew Breitbart Award for Excellence in Online Journalism in 2015. The website is thegatewaypundit.com. Naturally, no spaces. Jim, thanks so much for taking the time today. Great to be with you. Now, how did you end up on the conservative side of things? And and also, because there's the sort of rhino thing, conservatism is kind of undergoing a kind of tetragenic mutation uh, at the moment. So uh, how did you end up in conservatism? And how would you define it at the moment? Because it really does seem to be in flux. Uh, I think you're absolutely right. I think that the whole situation is changing the, the uh, climate in the conservative party is completely different than what it was even uh, two years ago. Um, and uh, thanks to Donald Trump, he's brought in all these new topics that uh, some of us really just uh, never uh, just took for granted or never really thought about a lot, you know, like free trade and uh, uh, the the endless wars that uh, the, the neocons always were pushing. And um, so I, D- Donald Trump has been a breath of fresh air. Uh, he's it's, it's so interesting. The, the, what resonates with me is the fact that here is a guy who's finally pro-American, and it's so shocking that a that a, that a candidate is running uh, in support of the people in this country. Um, and isn't that odd that that's how the West has become? Just uh, the, the, the the decline of the West, and it's it's really the suicide of what we're watching. And thank God we have someone like Donald Trump, who really is the last hope, I think, for uh, uh, the whole not just America but the whole Western culture. Well, I think that's very true. And I think it's important to remember that the general message is that if you're not on the left, in-group preferences are totally evil, bigoted, racist, xenophobic, if you're not on the left. Now, if you are on the left, your in-group preferences are moral and noble and virtuous and great. So if you're on the left, make sure you only hire leftist people, right? And so this is why you end up with this echo chamber of leftism in the media. If you're on the left make and, and you're in academics, make sure you only hire left-wing academics. So your in-group preferences are super great. However, if you're not on the left, any conceivable kind of in-group preference is pure bigotry and racism. And that is a wonderful model because, of course, there is strength in numbers. And if you can disunify your enemies while unifying yourself, victory, as it seemed to be for so many decades, is inevitable unless and until a disruptor comes along who reminds you, if you're not on the left, in-group preferences can be very, very good. In fact, necessary for your survival. Absolutely. So well put. You're so well spoken. <laughs> um, uh, I, can, I can see you do this for a living. Uh, anyway, you know what's what's interesting to add on that? I have a friend, uh, uh, Lucian Wintrich, who's an artist in uh, New York City, and he uh, contributed some artwork for this uh, Gays for Trump rally that we did at the uh, DNC, at the RNC convention in Cleveland. He went back home, and the gay mafia targeted him mm-hmm. and had him uh, fired from his job in New York City. Um, they they harassed him. He got death threats, and all he did was put kids, uh, not kids, but young men um, of legal age uh, in provocative poses with a Trump hat on. Um, and this is what got him fired. So uh, it's it's always stunning to me to hear the left talk about fascism and fascist Nazi, uh, you know, uh, conservatives. And yet you look at their behavior and who are the real fascists? We see what's going on in America. And thank God for Donald Trump. It's no wonder that they just hate him viscerally because uh, he's the only one who's uh, 
uh, taken on the mob uh, in America and the West. Well, that's true. And and this is one of the great mysteries that is sort of unfurling before our very eyes. And anybody with an ounce of intellectual curiosity and integrity needs to sort of dip their frontal lobes into this churning river of why there are particular groups uh, in America that um, want to bring in cultures antithetical to their very existence, to their very aims, to their stated aims, whatever their real aims are. I don't know. It's, it's It takes a strong stomach and a hazmat suit to kick over that leftist rock and see what wriggles underneath <laughs> But, uh, of course, you have feminists who want to bring in cultures uh, that are not exactly pro-feminism. And, of course, you have gays who seem to be wide open. Now, this is back in 2012. I looked this up before the interview that about 13% of the LGBTQ community identified as uh, conservatives, which is considerably less, of course, than the general population. I know that for you, the Orlando shooting was a a big moment, and that's when you wanted to come out uh, and, and be more public because the sexual identity, sexual preferences had become politicized and terrorized through that very evening. But that is the great mystery uh, of, uh, and it it does give one pause in thinking about the consistency of motives of people who say, well, you know, we're for feminism. It's like, okay, well, then you should, you know, in, in um, or we're, we're against sort of rape culture and so on. And, and in Mexico, you know, people can Google the age of consent and the uh, answer will be 12, which uh, is not exactly, um, I would say, pro-women in any way, shape or form. And, and gays and other groups, there just seems to be this, come on in. And it's like their hatred of the right is so great that they will ally with people who may be easily defined as their anti- antithesis. Uh, absolutely. Uh, and that, that is why I came out back in uh, June, it was. And, you know, what's interesting is, of course, the left has this narrative that, you know, if you come out, if you're, if you're conservative, you're going to be destroyed, you won't have a career, uh, they'll hate you, they'll, you know, banish you from the movement. And it was exactly the opposite. I got a few nasty comments from some leftists, actually s- several and, and of course, on the left, there were some pretty nasty things about me that weren't, weren't very accurate. You know, just throwing a, you know, just, I don't know if I can say it on your... You, <laughs> on you, your we're, not, uh, we're not uh, censored or we're not FCC oh, okay, ruled. You can go anyway, just, full tilt you know, boogie. Throwing crap at me and uh, making stuff up. And yet on the right, all, every comment I got, I got uh, several emails, you know, over 100 emails from people uh, uh, who've been reading my blog. One guy wrote, I'm a, I'm a devout Christian. I don't agree with your lifestyle, but I really like your blog and I'm going to keep coming back. You know, and uh, I, I'm fine with that. I don't I don't pretend that I have to have approval from everyone on this planet, you know, for my existence. I, uh, you know, I, I'm very happy and comfortable with who I am. I, I see that the, the radical left has. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's certainly Hillary Clinton has not done any favors for the gays over the years. And and this year, when we see that, you know, the donations she's taken from these uh, these Middle Eastern Muslim uh, countries and uh you know, it's, she's not doing any favors for, for gays. And so uh, I, I think with, with people like me and other people standing up and saying I'm gay, I'm conservative, you know, I, I think it's only going to help the cause. We know that uh, generally about 25 percent of gays vote Republican. Now, they are completely the silent uh, group that, no, you know, you never hear about. Um, and uh, so now there's a few of us standing up and, it, you know, it's a good thing for our cause. Well, and I think it's uh, really important to understand uh, the danger of being a Republican uh, in America in many ways, at least a public Republican. You know, gay communities, little problem with, you know, assless chaps, little problem with the most incredible gay pride parades of, of fantastic peacock extravagance. But boy, 
You know, you, you can have any kind of unnameable fetish involving rubber ducks and nobody really blinks an eye, but heaven forbid you actually vote for a conservative. That's when they're shocked. That's when they're appalled. That's the line that that is almost the, the, the love for Republican, the, the love that truly dare not speak its name in the gay community. Right. And it's my friend Lucian Wintrich. They did a special segment on him in the local news in New York City. And he ends with, uh, he, he says, I got fired. And it, it was because I want small government, you know, and uh, it is it's just shocking today uh, what, what the culture has done. And uh, again, thank God for Donald Trump. He is the only one. I, I think he's done so much devastation to the left already and to, to their, uh, you know, political correctness. Um, I have never seen so many Republicans stand up and actually confront the left like they're doing today. A great example of that is that all these uh, uh, Democrat rallies, including Obama, yeah, we're seeing a Hillary, Bill rallies, Tim Kaine, all these uh, protesters sneaking in and starting screaming, uh, Bill Clinton is a rapist. I mean, we never would have seen that before Trump. I think Trump is finally giving conservatives and, and a, a pro-American uh, patriots the, uh, you know, the balls to stand up and uh, confront this, uh, you know, this, this liberal fascism that's spreading across the West. Well, there's a, um, a fascinating switch uh, in, um, you could say, European culture. Uh, and, and I think this isn't particularly true of the right, uh, Jim, which is there's a whole lot of turn the other cheek. You know, a whole lot of, you know, if your enemy asks you for your shirt, give him your cloak as well. If he asks you to walk a mile <laughs> with him, walk two miles. There is a very great hope uh, in in the uh, on the right, and has been for many decades, that taking the high road is just going to work out. You're going to shame people with your moral elevation. They're finally going to grow a conscience. They're finally going to go a sense of embarrassment, and they're going to back down from their positions. And that, of course, is one half of the uh, moral tradition uh, in the West, the turn-the-other-cheek stuff. Love your enemy uh, as yourself. But there's another one. There's the other side. And it's been a while. It's been a while since we've seen it. But the other side is, oh, yeah, okay, eye for an eye time, baby. And and that, I think, is where the switch has been flipped on the right, uh, where it's like, okay, this turn the other cheek, this walk a mile in your enemy's shoes, this reach out and empathy and so on. Well, it only works with people who have a conscience. <laughs> it only works with people who have the capacity for empathy. And uh, it's not working. In fact, it was handing over the reins of Western civilization to people who want to drive it into a medieval cliff, or off a medieval cliff, I should say. And I think that switch has been flipped where people are like, okay, if the if what the enemy is doing is working, I guess we'll do what the enemy is doing uh, in the full righteousness of our cause and without a sense of shame because, you know, you treat people the best you can the first time you meet them. And after that, you treat them as they treat you. Uh, and I think that switch has flipped over. I, I think you're absolutely right. I think another example of this is we saw Marco Rubio in the past two weeks. Uh, WikiLeaks documents were breaking uh, out on the Internet. And Marco Rubio says we shouldn't look at these Podesta documents because we wouldn't want them to look at our emails if they were released. And, uh, you know, most uh, conservatives and people I know are like, no wonder this guy didn't win the primary. He's such a, you know, call it a cuck, call it a rhino, whatever. But, uh, you know, he still doesn't get it. And I think the GOP elites still don't get it. And they're furious with Donald Trump that he actually fights back. You know, all these women who came out with these accusations against Trump, and he says uh, at a rally uh, last weekend, I'm going to sue you. After this election, I'm going to sue you. You know, and the media, you know, and these these GOP elites are just furious that Donald Trump would stand up for himself 
against these lies. I mean, there's 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 several of these these uh, accusers have come out. Their stories have completely fallen apart. And I, I wrote about that and it got a lot of traffic. At least six of these women. Yeah, there, there's no truth at all. One one said that, uh, you know, uh, she was talking to Melania Trump and uh, they were so upset about what happened or something. And Melania comes out and says, I, I don't even know this woman. I've never spoken with her. I want to recognize her on the street and I'm going to make People Magazine take this down. And she sent him a cease and desist letter. I don't know if people did, but, you know, the, the, they're just uh, these scandalous uh, accusations that are coming out against Trump two weeks, three weeks before an election. You know, it's funny. Trump was never a racist. He was never a misogynist until he became a Republican running for uh, president. Well, a successful Republican. You could be a Republican. <laughs> if you fail, they don't mind. You don't, you're not a racist right. if you're a failure. If you're a success, then the racist laser is going to fill up your forehead. Uh, and that's why I don't run for office because I've got a lot of target room. But, um, uh, and this, this, uh, and these lies, you know, uh, Fox News and all this. I mean, I was watching this, I think, absolutely shameful interaction between Megyn Kelly. Uh, and the former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich. Uh, we'll we'll put a link to it below. It's like skin-crawlingly ex-wife horrifying, in my opinion. But she's still repeating the same stuff. Well, these 10 women have all come forward and said stuff. It's like, well, aren't you supposed to check their credibility? Aren't you supposed to check their stories to see if they even make sense? Uh, and uh, she was to, continuing to say the same lie that Donald Trump, you know, grabbed, grabbed he was talking about grabbing at women, uh, women's genitals against their will, which is not at all what he said. He said they like it, they want it, you know? Right. Uh, and uh, there's still sexual predator or sexual assault. I mean, good Lord, it's so important for people to remember that Donald Trump is not running against against uh, uh, the Democrats. He's running against the Uniparty. He's running against the Republicans and the Democrats who are all part of this revolving door of uh, lobbying and favors, lobbying and favors, uh, and and giving money to politicians in order to buy these scraps and remnants of their hearts and soul after the election. Donald Trump is going against all of that. And uh, if you don't like the way <laughs> that society is running, look at who the elites hate the most. And that person is probably somebody you want to get in behind. Uh, and I think people are starting to really understand that because the more hatred the elites pour on Donald Trump, the more his support grows. Because it's like, oh, you hate him? Well, well, I hate you. You hate him. So maybe I'll really like him too. Yeah, I think Americans are finally catching on. You know, the, I, I live in the Midwest. I'm in St. Louis now. I grew up in uh, Iowa. I went, I went back home to Iowa this past weekend. And for the record, I saw one Hillary sign, one, <laughs> in, a, in a, my travels around uh, northern Iowa. And, uh, you know, Trump signs everywhere, Trump flags, big Trump signs across the yard. Um, so uh, there's definitely something happening, and especially in the middle class and in the Midwest uh, flyover country, uh, people can relate to this. They've gotten the shaft for 20 years. I don't think, uh, and, and again, I agree with Trump. It wasn't just Democrats who were doing this, but it was Republicans. Uh, by the way, I flew up to, uh, to Iowa on this uh, subsidized plane uh, ticket, right? But the government's paying for plane tickets, so I got a $100 round trip. And I'm like, when did this happen? And where were the Republicans, you know, who are supposed to stop this, you know, this uh, the, the, this uh, wasteful spending? They, they've been nowhere to be found for the past 20, 30 years. Obama phones. I mean, that was a shock when I heard that in 2012, this woman, you know, talking about how Obama's giving her a free phone. I had no idea that these programs were out there. And of course, when you're giving the money away to people who aren't productive and aren't, you know, doing anything and uh, providing, uh, you know, a service or, uh, you know, work uh, and, and uh, somebody has to pay. And it, 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 in the past 20 years, it looks like the middle class has paid uh, horribly for these policies. 
That is something that people uh, have a tough time understanding, and it sort of goes under the umbrella of public choice theory, which is, let's say you have a society without a welfare state, and there are only a few percentage points of people who need welfare. Right, and and the reason there's such a low number is because there hasn't been a welfare state, and so people who make bad decisions get fairly roundly punished. Uh, and you know, churches and other communal groups, what used to be called the friendly societies, will sort of step in and just keep body and soul together to give people a platform to work their way out. So you say, oh, the welfare state, how much is it really going to cost? Because there's only a few percentage points of people who aren't doing that well, and it's like, okay, so you put in the welfare state, and then you tilt everything, and what happens is then people start making decisions because there's a welfare state and you go from a few percentage points to five to 10 to 15 to 20 to 25 and now close to half of americans are dependent on the government for significant portions of their income when you change the rules you change the game going forward and everybody tries to change the rules looking in the rear view but you need to look forward as bastiat talks about the unseen rather than the seen uh, and and this i think is is accumulating so much evidence in people's minds that everyone knows the whole system is fundamentally broken and uh, donald trump is the guy who is free of the um the funding problem, right? He's free of, well, he owes the American uh, public's future productivity to his donors. And that is such a disruption to the system as a whole that if he gets in and he's able to put in his term limits and his get people out of the revolving door of power and lobbying and power and lobbying, I mean, that is the, that is to talk about snatching victory from the jaws of defeat of Western civilization. I mean, that is the only chance uh, I think that, that we have to turn this thing around. And, and it's no accident that it's Donald Trump, too. Uh, this is a guy who, uh, at times, you, you think that uh, maybe he has Asperger's you know, syndrome or whatever, because he just everything seems to come right through uh, his, his mind, right out of his mouth. Um, but I think we actually need someone like that. Um, and that's why I think he's perfect candidate for this time. He has the, the, the platform. He has a plan. He released it last weekend at, at Gettysburg. He had this uh, six-point plan, which was just what you were just saying. Um, one was uh, that, you, you know, if you're in government, you can't be a lobbyist for several years. You know, he's going to try to push a law like that. I mean, it makes it makes perfect sense, but it's disrupting. And I, again, I think that's why we see people like Brett Stevens today from The Wall Street Journal, who says he can no longer consider himself a Republican because of Donald Trump. I mean, really, the gall of people like that. They've been pounding Trump all year long. And so nobody's listening. So he finally writes, you know, another essay about how awful Donald Trump is. Um, you know, it's getting old. It's getting tired. And, uh, you know, but thank God we have Donald Trump there who, uh, uh, you know, I, I have uh, I, I'm feeling pretty good today about the election. I wasn't last week. You know, it kind of goes it's just up and down and up and down. But um, I'm feeling pretty good right now. I, I, I have faith today that the American people won't uh, elect a criminal into the White House. So um, I'm going to I'm going to uh, continue to, uh, you know, uh, believe that for the next 14 days. I have to tell you, uh, Jim, I will consider my life a complete success if you never utter my name in the same way that you just uttered. What was it? Brett Stevens names like like you're <laughs> like you're coughing up a venom filled hairball. Uh, <laughs> Brett Stevens. <laughs> You know, you should really just spit to one side and get a spittoon noise coming out right. there because the level of contempt, I just want to tell you, that was visceral. That that hit my my lizard brain uh, and it was very oh, powerful. You know, uh, and it, it's the same thing we saw, uh, you know, this this tape came out of Donald Trump, you know, talking about grabbing pussy. And, uh, you know, the next day, these Republicans had lined up and they said, I can never vote for him. I pull my endorsement. Then you start looking at this list. 
you know, it's the same people have been attacking him all year. It's like, this is nothing new. It just gave him another excuse to, to go out there and trash Trump. Um, and, uh, you, you know, it's, it's, it's very upsetting to, to us who support Trump. And he won the, the nomination. He won the nomination with uh, record numbers. You know, and yet we still have these uh, these disgusting, uh, you know, Republicans who, you know, I, I don't know what happened. I really don't know what happened this year. It's, some people just lost their mind, you know, and I don't even recognize who they are anymore. Well, so. I, I think the way that I would look at it, Jim, is, you know, if you look at a dog show, uh, there is the dog. And then you say, gosh, you, let's say you just zoomed in right on the dog's head. And you know, wow, it's doing a lot of jumping, doing a lot of rolling, doing a lot of climbing up pipes. And I don't know what the hell goes on at a dog show, but you know, <laughs> stuff like that. Right. And so you say, wow, this dog is, is pretty interesting. Why is he doing all this? And then you zoom the camera back and there's the owner, you know, with the leash running right uh, beside them and making them do stuff. And it's important to, you need to look at the puppet strings, right? I mean, I just did a video on libertarians to do with this as well. Look at, you know, follow the money, look at who they're being paid by, uh, look at, at their financial trail. And a lot of Republicans get a lot of money from big business. And big business has particular requirements driven by marketplace uh, uh, ideals uh, at the moment that they want cheap labor. Open borders works really well for them because uh, when you get unskilled labor pouring in uh, or a skilled labor that is bound by the sort of H-1B-1 visa into a medieval surf-style concrete shoe attachment, you also chain them to the typing chairs that they're stuck into. That's good for big business. Uh, because the executives who make those decisions aren't importing people who are going to replace them. And the lawyers who negotiate all this stuff and the politicians, they're not replacing those people. And the reporters who report on it are not being replaced. It's sort of the middle class and below who are being eviscerated, gutted, cut out uh, at the knees by all of this stuff. And so when I look at someone like Donald Trump, people like to own their pets. People get very attached to their pets and pets get very attached to their owners. So politicians are very attached to their donors and donors are very attached to their to their politicians. Because if donors can't get goodies out of politicians, what do they have to do? Gosh, they have to go out and compete at the free market and they might lose. Uh, there's been studies that have shown there's almost no more productive investment for a businessman than owning a congressperson. I mean, the, the more than R&D, you know, products fail. Congress people always deliver. And uh, <laughs> that power, uh, that power, power corrupts. And so for me, looking at it, I don't care about the Republican Democrat side, excluding Trump. What I care about is if you follow the money, they're just obeying the commands and demands of their owners and their owners view uh, Trump as an existential threat to their entire cycle of, of power and dominance and income. And they should. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I don't see this going away uh, if when Trump wins on, on November 8th. Uh, I, I see it only intensifying. Um, you know, I, it, it, it's amazing. Today he did a, a grand opening in, in Washington, D.C. at this new hotel. If you look at it, it's beautiful. Absolutely stunning inside and out. Trump knows how to build hotels and golf courses. They are the most beautiful in the world. But, you know, they were going to they were uh, going to uh, protest him there. And, I, I just see this escalating as, as Trump moves into office and tries to get things done. Um, and uh, unfortunately, I think the Republican leaders in Congress will probably be leading the charge against him. And so uh, I, I hope there's some turnover there. But um, yeah, this doesn't stop after November 8th. It's going to continue because, as you said, he's such a threat. And uh, there is going to be still work to do. I'm, I mean, I'm... In this sort of run-up to this election, um, 
I'm pretty tired, which is a good thing, you know, because it's been a marathon, right? I mean, I've been working on this like you have for a long time. It feels like, what was life before this election cycle? Uh, I don't know. I think I was an amoeba. That's that's the only thing I can remember. And then I evolved. But um, tired is a good thing because, you know, if you're running marathons, uh, I used to be a long distance runner. And if you're running marathons, you don't want to be fresh at the end, but you don't want to be so exhausted. You can't like you want to have the right kind of tired, just enough in the tank for the burst at the end. And I think that's where it's uh, come down to. And yes, what it looks like after the election. Well, if he loses, there is no after the election for anybody who's interested in smaller government or Western values. I mean, literally there. And I you know, I really want people to understand the apocalyptic nature of the Trump loss. I mean, you're going to get the legalization of tens of millions of illegal immigrants who are all going to vote left. You're going to have the importation of foreign cultures all designed for, to to vote left. And the left is very, very into diversity because they absolutely welcome with open arms all cultures that vote for them. Uh, that That's their standard. I mean, if, if you're not a culture that votes for the left, uh, then they will not, they will want to keep you uh, out. And uh, um, it is going to be impossible for um, any Republicans to get any vote again, even if they're just mouthing the platitudes of the small uh, government free market system. All of America will turn into California, which used to be a reliably Republican state until... Uh, Reagan uh, gave amnesty to to countless numbers of illegal immigrants, and now it is lost to the left forever. That will be the country as a whole. It just comes down to this two weeks. So there's a uh, there's an old saying about you know people love New York, they love living in New York so much that they say so. People who aren't living in New York, they're kidding, right? Like they're just kind of kidding about it, right? And uh, I think if you're not out there working for the salvation of Western civilization at the moment, you're kidding, right? Like what else is taking priority? I know you got to eat. Grab a few hours of sleep if you have to. Colostomy bag if you can. Just don't stop. This is now the time uh, because if it's not now, literally it will never, ever come again. Uh, I think you're absolutely right. And uh, that's how I've been running the past couple of months. Um, and what's interesting is, uh, you know, the media continues to be biased. They never change. They never learn. They lose viewers, you know. Uh, they lose readers. Uh, but they continue to push the liberal line. And uh, thank God we have this internet, at least today we do. We don't know what's going to happen after November 8th. But uh, where, where people like me can uh, can report a different side of the story, people like you can report a different side of the story. And uh, my numbers have been booming. You know, uh, people are, are interested. People will always seek out the truth. And I certainly give a different perspective than what other people, you know, are, are reading somewhere else. I, I think that the great example of the bias this year, it's not just, you know, everything we read in the you know, 90% negative uh, coverage Trump gets. But it's the things they also that they'll show you that are just not uh, not honest at all. I, I love how they always put Hillary Clinton and then they show these, you know, 15 people behind her like she's at a big crowd and they're cheering. And uh, then you look, at, you know, outside of that frame. And of course, the, the uh, high school gym is empty. Uh, today, there was another example of that. And thank God Fox Business News was really about the first place I've seen uh, report on just how empty her rallies are. She was at a, a place in uh, Florida that was, uh, you know, another gym for a community college. And uh, 15 minutes beforehand, they're like, wow, there's nobody here. Um, so so the media, it's, it's not just what they do tell you, but it's a lot of times uh, what they don't tell you and then how they just totally misrepresent. I mean, they show the same shot of Hillary as they do a Trump at a rally. You'd think they're having the same numbers. And it's the, the enthusiasm gap is just so, so different. I mean, Trump, my God, the people are so fired up for him. And Hillary, there's just nothing there. I think 
what you said earlier, you know, Democrats are in trouble if they think that they're, you know, they're so cocky that it's going to be a landslide for them. Uh, n- nobody's energized for the, for Hillary. Nobody is. Yeah, and, and uh, I assume that uh, at least half the people standing behind her uh, are her medical team holding their satchels of Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> black magic required to creep, keep the Crypt Keeper vertical in some manner. But let, <laughs> So let's talk, because th- there is this strategy that's going on. Um, uh, I've seen it in my videos uh, in, in the comments section. It's kind of crept in over the last couple of weeks. The despair trolls. You know, all the people, they have the same text. You know, it's like, good Lord, people, copy and paste. Copy and paste is kind of obvious, you know. And it sort of goes something like this. Well, I love Trump. I mean, I really, really, you know, I want Trump to win. However, the polls show otherwise, and it's hopeless, and it's helpless, and it's this this sort of treacly despair stuff, you know, and and it's designed to to make people lose hope, and it's having an effect, you know. The inbox is like, I don't know, Steph, do you think it's possible? You know, oh, I kind of, and it's like to me that the polls are just nonsense. The polls are a weapon of war in the battle of politics. They are not objective. They're not independent. Everybody has an agenda. And the polls are done, and which polls are reported is very important. And I talked to Bill Mitchell, who I'm sure you know about sort of sampling problems, you know, the D plus A to D plus 16 and so on. I thought this was all, again, Dungeons and Dragons damage, but it's a different kind of damage. It's it's political <laughs> damage. So you had uh, just an article come out on thegatewaypundit.com. Please remember to go visit uh, about uh, Reagan versus Carter back in 1980, or for my younger listeners, somewhere post-Paleolithic. <laughs> right. Um It was actually uh, 36 years ago today um, when the Gallup released this poll and has uh, Reagan down by seven points against Jimmy Carter. This is two weeks out from the election. As we know, come election day, uh, Reagan won in a landslide, 40 states. So, uh, you know, people need to remember that. And again, isn't it interesting that it's always with the left? It's always astroturfed. These people who are putting these comments out there, and I believe this wholeheartedly, I know how the left operates, just like we're seeing from a Veritas, uh, Project Veritas, and from WikiLeaks. Everything is staged. They have no grassroots movement. They have no enthusiasm. And so they are just so, uh, these are, you know, Trump had it right. These are nasty people, not just Hillary, but the whole group. These are these are people who stage things, who, uh, you know, they were, they were sending people thugs in to beat up Trump supporters. And they also do these astroturf moves, like like you said, they go on the, the internet and they write the same comment in 50 different blog posts, you know, and, and then uh, just to, you know, it's just a tactic of getting paid. And it's a lot of times it's taxpayer, taxpayer money that somehow funnels into these groups. And uh, so it's, it's, a, it's a complete scam. And uh, I hope people are aware of that. It is a, uh, a cheating organization, in my opinion, as a whole. Um, and, and the cheating goes way beyond for me the project veritas stuff and sort of looking back in history uh the um the left has always been inclined towards socialism and communism and uh of course uh they they tried they embedded all their spies in the state department and helped lose china to the communists which resulted in the deaths of tens of millions of people do they care no they covered up the crimes of stalin they they uh attacked solzhenitsyn for the gulag apicalago they uh tried to to downplay and minimize uh everything horrible that was happening in the communist countries they visited all these potemkin villages and said hey this stuff's great look how wonderful and fat these prisoners are and the prisoners are scrolling them notes saying god help me get me out of this horrible uh uh, a, a groundhog day of hell that I'm stuck in, this uh, Truman show of, of nightmarish proportions. 
so they they initially tried the propaganda war, and then when the crimes of Stalin came out, uh, Khrushchev was talking about them in the in the sixties, the cult of personality, the gulags, the the death camps, and and the, the starvation in the Ukraine in the Ukraine that occurred in the thirties. They're like, oh well, we've lost the entire ideological battle because the evidence has come rolling in. I know. Let's just start importing people who vote left, uh, and that to me was the biggest wow. cheat. Right? There would be no left. Uh, as we understand it at the moment without Ted Kennedy's 1965 immigration bill that switched immigration from Europe, uh, who were generally um, smaller government, uh, you know, Judeo-Christian, Greek, Greco-Roman history. They switched it to the third world, so they stuffed the ballot that way. That is not an argument. That is not winning. It's just stuffing the deck. That's all. I mean, if you if you get wow. to field twice the number of people in a basketball uh, team as your opponents, guess what? <laughs> you can do fairly well, but it's not like you're better. And this confession of the left that they're constantly losing is something people really need to see. They have to constantly manipulate information with the media. They have to constantly smear. They have to constantly like use the power of the IRS. Remember how, sorry for the rant, but I'll finish it in a second. Remember how Nixon, Nixon in the 70s, he, he even thought about using the IRS to target his political opponents. And that was one of the things that ended up with him having to resign from office or face uh, removal. Lois Lerner and the IRS has openly documented that they were targeting conservative charities, which helped swing the election, suppressing the facts about Benghazi. Couple of, like shortly before the election, when there was an attack uh, on American soil overseas uh, on the anniversary of 9/11. I mean. All of the things that they're doing is a confession that it, they're not popular, they're not successful. You know, if you've, if you've got to chloroform and kidnap the girl, she's not that into you. And, and there's just not, there's not facts here. If you, if you look at the amount of weight that the media has given him and, and the smears and the voting blocks that have been imported from the third world, this is not a successful party. They're not winning honestly. They're not winning openly. And the Project Veritas stuff is lifting the lid uh, on that hellish scorpion-brained environment by which they don't don't care about what's good. They don't care about what's right. They only care about power and dis- the destruction of their enemies. Absolutely. And we're seeing that played out today, too. Just this week, we saw the Obamacare premiums go up 20-some percent. This is this is Obama a couple of years ago was telling us that, you're, you know, your, your health care bill is going to go down. It's going to be like your phone bill. You know, it's just going to cost as much as your phone bill. And now we're seeing, you know, it's 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 outrageous. And again, it's the it's the middle class. It's these these uh, lower middle class who suffer the most. It's these millennials who are forced to buy this now. And uh, you know, and it's you know, I, I have to tell you too, it's because there's no Republican Party. There's no pushback on any of this. Where were the where were the ads by the Republican Party last year? You know, around IRS time. You know, in February that said, hey, hey, kids, you know this $2,000 penalty you're paying this year? You didn't used to have to pay that. But thanks to Democrats, this is what's happening. So they never own up to their failures and everything they touch is a failure. We see that with Hillary's Hillary's, uh, you know, history. She can't run on what she's done. She can't run on anything because everything she's touched has been a disaster. And uh, an- another point is, and this, this is, you know, ties into everything you say, this year, because they control the, the, the education, because they don't treat, teach about capitalism, they have a candidate like Bernie Sanders pushing complete socialism while Venezuela is collapsing over here, you know, a, a few miles away, and nobody can put the connection together, but, you know, they control the information. So, uh, you know, again, it's not honest, it's not, uh, it's not truthful, uh, but they get away with it. Well, and they 
are succeeding, right? And this is a fairly common observation, but I think it bears repeating that the goal of Obamacare was not to fix healthcare. The goal of Obamacare was to so cripple the remnants of the free market that uh, the system will start collapsing in on its own weight. And if it's not Trump, right, Trump is going to repeal and replace it, uh, maybe with medical savings accounts, or certainly he wants to increase competition across straight lines for insurance companies and so on. But uh, this has been meddling has been occurring forever to keep meddling with the free with the remnants of the free market in the healthcare system to the point where it collapses. And then they can take over with single payer. I mean, just one example is, you know, this is uh, quite some time ago, they got rid of the requirement uh, for to be healthy when you bought healthcare insurance, like you, you and this goes all the way back to the Second World War, when the government put a ceiling on people's um, raises, you couldn't get raises in the Second World War. So companies began paying for people's healthcare as a way of enticing them to stay or move or whatever. So they don't pay for your car insurance, they don't pay for your house insurance, why the hell would they pay for you? Anyway, so this kind of stuff gets set up. And then you you put you say, well, people would with, a, uh, with existing conditions can't be denied. Well, I mean, how retarded is that? I mean, there's this complete opposite. It's like, hey, you know what? You you, you can totally buy house insurance for, against fire when your house is currently on fire. Well, what happens? Everyone just waits till they get sick and then apply for healthcare insurance because they can't be denied. The whole point is you need the moral hazard. You need the uncertainty for insurance to work. If you wait for disaster and then get insurance, you're adding an additional layer to paying for that disaster, shifting the cost to more honest people, and it begins to degrade people's sense of social solidarity. It degrades their sense of integrity because people are like, well, if I do the right thing and buy healthcare insurance when I'm healthy, I'm just going to get shafted by all the people who wait. So maybe I'll wait. And there becomes this race to the moral bottom uh, that occurs. And that's just one of the things that happened some time back ago. And then they're continuing to pile more and more mess under the healthcare system until they can control it. And they don't want to control the healthcare system. They want to control you. They want to control your access to healthcare so that you're more dependent on the government and more scared of hostility from the government because uh, this can be uh, a problem for you in access healthcare in a politicized system. Absolutely. And again, it goes back to that, uh, that friend of mine I was mentioning earlier. You know, if, if, if you uh, get off the uh, plantation at all, then they uh, punish you. They kick you off your job. Uh, they threaten you uh, with death. And uh, so, you know, uh, again, I hope enough people wake up before Election Day. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to have faith in the American public. I think uh, I think you know, I, I think enough people will will uh, come out and vote for Trump, and I hope it's a big surprise. It, you know, that'll that'll make a, that Wednesday after election day a really good day. Yes, it. Uh, you don't want to wake up with a hangover and Hillary Clinton. Uh, those those two <laughs> things are not a good combo. I mean, one of those right. is bad enough. You throw the hangover and Hillary Clinton. Uh, that's that's a very very bad uh, day after uh, day after election. So, what do you think people? need to do over the next two weeks in this sort of final race? Uh, what would you suggest uh, to people? Because, of course, there are a lot of undecideds who are being batted back and forth like a cat's toy from a lion <laughs> by the media and are trying to ha having a tough place to land every time it feels like people have some certainty, like how Hillary Clinton's polls took a nosedive after she took a nosedive into a van on 9-11. Uh, <laughs> what, um, what is it that people need to, to know uh, or what, what approach do they need to take? What do they need to learn in order to try and make a better decision come November? You know, I think there's still, you know, isn't it amazing that people haven't made up their mind yet? I mean, that just blows me away. But um, I, I, I think the best thing we can do is push the truth out and push out Hillary's record. I think there are probably quite a few people, you know, who just go about their business, work their jobs, and just now starting to pay attention, even now. Um, and so uh, I, I, I think that bodes well for 
uh, Donald Trump. I think, um, you know, uh, if people really look at what's at stake here and what the different candidates are, uh, you know, going to uh, offer, you know, it's an easy win for Trump. But uh, for us, I guess it's just pushing the truth. I know for myself, I've been putting in a lot of hours and uh, I, I, I'm sure you have, too. And so uh, I, I, I think uh, people were talking about bring yourself and three others to the polls. You know, I, that's all good. But uh, getting the truth out there, I, I think, is the best thing we can do. I, I agree with that. Um, and it's also important for me, maybe I sort of was born in Ireland, I grew up in England, spent a lot of time in Europe. It's, you know, it is a lot about America, but it's not just about America. It's about the West as a whole, you know, have some care and concern for the mothership, which is currently expiring under paroxysms of Stalin-esque style collectivism. And, uh, you know, they have the globalist federal uh, government going on in, in Europe at the moment. And, uh, if Trump gets in and Trump is able to shrink the size of the state and Trump is able to resuscitate the economy uh, and Trump is able to do uh, some of the great things, help revive the um, uh, the education system by giving parents vouchers and, and bringing competition into the mix when it comes to our most precious resource, our children. You know, it's kind of a cliche that everyone says society's most precious resource is our children. Then don't send them to death camps of brain-destroying indoctrination in order to be held hostage by democratic warlords of unionization anyway that's i think we have a title for the show anyway but um, <laughs> it, it, it also it also matters what happens in europe because europe is is looking at uh america uh, and europe is looking at america there are groups and and individuals poised in europe to be trump in europe but um, Europe, which used to be more innovative, has sort of fallen by the wayside as far as this goes. They're looking at the Trump experiment. And if Trump gets in and if Trump succeeds, and I, I obviously think he has the most chance of anyone, I, I defer to competence in general. Like if I just see wildly competent people, it's like, yeah, OK, you can wash my car. I assume you're going to do a good job. And it is also about Europe. But it's about the West as a whole. And there has been a continual retreat for about 150 years of small government, European, Western values, separation of church and state, and um, uh, voluntary charity rather than coercive uh, welfare. And it can be reversed. And if it is reversed, it could not only spread from America to, to Canada, which is important for me, but it could spread also to Europe and maybe even beyond Europe, so that uh, Europe and, and uh, North America don't end up as the shining city that everyone screams is racist and is desperately trying to get into, it could actually spread these values. This, this turn back of the tide might not just occur for America or for Canada or for Europe, but for the world as a whole. And that's, again, how important it is. Oh, yeah. And I, I, it's, I'm always bewildered in the fact that when is Europe going to wake up and see this flood of uh, immigrants, you know, the million immigrants to uh, Germany in one year, another million across Europe this year. What are they going to understand that Obama was behind that? You know, that his failed policies created this, this, uh, I mean, this, this, uh, this wave of people just coming uh, across Europe. And uh, uh, I, I, you know, I, it's amazing that he gets such a pass uh, from, from the Europeans, from the American press. Uh, but uh, that it's just devastating. And uh, it, it's it's also interesting too, though. I think I think Europe is a is a few steps ahead of us in, in certain respects, and maybe a few behind us in other respects. But um, we, we see that these uh, these leaders in these countries are always labeled as the far right, you know, the the you know extreme right candidate. And here they're just people who are you know love their country and want to preserve the culture. 
And uh, what what heroic people there are over there in Europe today. Uh, when I've traveled in Europe, not not like you, but a few times that I've been there, it's the most beautiful place I have ever been. I just think it's just so amazing. And it's it, I, and of course, when I go to these these little towns and uh, in in uh, Italy or Spain, it's always a beautiful church that is just the dominant architectural uh, structure in the city. It's just you know, it's a shame that uh, the West is just so willing to just uh, you know just push that aside and uh, allow whatever this this uh this totalitarianism that they're they're pushing for uh, i you know i i do hope that uh the west wakes up and i think you're right i think donald trump is key well and i guess the last point that i want to make is that when and it's a genius move on the part of the left you know, I mean, it, when when people are referred to as far right, well, who in Europe is far left? Well, pretty much everyone in power relative to a couple of decades ago. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I just found it hilarious and tragic that Donald Trump was repeatedly asked to uh, repudiate, you know, it's a magic word, repudiate David Duke, who he'd barely ever heard of and had, you know, like it's all nonsense. <laughs> Me- meanwhile, the actual Communist Party of the United States was very, very pro-Hillary Clinton. The Communist Party. Now, um the uh, KKK responsible for about, about 2,000 deaths over the history of the Republic. Tragic stuff. However, put those bodies next to the mountain, 100 million, do- uh, 100 million soul mountain of corpses left by communism. And uh, the idea that nobody, of course, and nobody would, of course, confront Hillary. Do you repudiate the Communist Party of the United States? She's like, we don't refer to Democrats that way, even though it's true. No, no, no. I meant the actual honest ones, the ones who who wear it on their sleeve, not the ones who bury it uh, at the footnotes of their memos. And uh, this um, normalization that, that the left is the left, but the right is always the far right, which of course brings up images of Nazism, which is ridiculous because Nazism stood for national socialism, which is why you have to call it Nazism. Otherwise, the word socialism might be besmirched by, I don't know, honest basic reality but uh this is a, a big challenge the control of language and they've they've elevated this group uh, these groups of people who are supposed to be immune from criticism and that to me is one of the most corrupting things you know you can't criticize why can't you criticize obama's foreign policy because that's racist and it's like okay so basically somebody's in power who can't be criticized oh yeah that's going to be great that's never been a problem before or you know you can't <laughs> criticize you can't cr- uh, criticize hillary clinton's outright dismantling of libya which which helped really provoke uh, the migrant crisis, or at least broke down the shield between the migrant crisis and the Mediterranean. You can't criticize her because that's sexist. It's like, okay, so if you know black guys and, and, and women can't be criticized, then how on earth can we have a rational relationship if they're in power? Uh, and this is, I think, what's confusing to people about Trump. Because if men had lied about Trump, he would have sued them. And people would have said, okay, well, I understand that. But when women lie about Trump and he sues them, here come the white knights to to circle the eggs and protect the women. And it's like, no, he's treating them as equals. And uh, that's what happens with the left. They say, we want to be treated as equals. And then you treat them as equals and they cry. (laughs) It's like, oh, come on. Yeah. Yeah, they really don't. It's a good point. I I think Megyn Kelly is a good example of that. She wants to be tough. She wants to be respected. But then when you criticize her, she, she wilts like a flower. And, uh, you know, again, that uh, that little episode with Newt Gingrich last night, that was one of the most uh, infuriating interviews I've ever seen. I don't know. I don't watch her show anymore. Again, it's this Trump factor. He's even uh, he's made it uncomfortable, uncomfortable for me to watch several Fox News programs, which, you know, being a conservative, I used to faithfully watch a lot of these uh, these shows from 
morning to night. And now, uh, you know, some are just unbearable. And Megan Kelly's one. I never would have seen this except someone sent me the video of it. Um, but, uh, you know, there, there are other alternatives. And uh, so, so I try to go to, uh, you know, a different channel or whatever. But, you know, uh, Trump's just blowing everything up. But I think it's a good thing. And, I, you know, I, I'm ready for it. I, 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 I'm ready for him to be president, blow a few things up and, uh, you know, scrap some some things and uh, uh, get the get the, uh, the media all revved up. And he, I think he's the only one that can handle it. I think he's the right man for the job. So uh, hopefully we'll uh, we'll see a, a Trump presidency uh, in a couple of weeks. All right. Well, I appreciate the work that you've been doing to bring that about. Just wanted to remind everyone, please, thegatewaypundit.com. Uh, you can go. Uh, you can uh, subscribe and get new updates. Uh, Jim's uh, work is fantastic there, and his team is there. Again, he received the Andrew Breitbart Award from Excellence in Online Journalism. It was so good that uh, Andrew's hand arose from the grave to hand over the, the plaque, which is most impressive. Uh, so thanks a lot for your time, Jim. I'm sure we will, we'll talk again. And uh, b- best of luck for the next couple of weeks. I think we're all going to need it. Thanks. Hang in there. Take care.